You are now listening to the Random Black Person in Canada podcast. On this episode, we're talking about taxes in Canada. February already, uh, already two months into 2022. First thing we'll talk about, um, we had states of emergency declared in Ottawa and Ontario. And then of course, the House of Commons, essentially the federal government, got an emergencies act in play so that it could handle the situation in Ottawa. Again, just for a recap, a couple of people took trucks to the city of Ottawa and essentially put it under uh, psychological torture with the honking and just protesting, essentially. Uh, the other thing too is, of course, it was a protest to get some of the vaccine mandates lifted and what have you, but essentially just disintegrated into like a nuisance after a couple of weeks, almost three weeks, what have you. But as of the time of recording, it seems like um, the Emergencies Act and the police um, efforts have pretty much resolved the situation back to square one where nobody's in Ottawa per se. But of course we do understand that the mandates are still be are slowly being reversed across different provinces. Right. So the point is proven. And I think a number of us are now starting to come out of the pandemic step by step by step. The one thing I did want to mention, um, I was looking at, you know, countries, in terms of their vaccination rates. And would you believe it? Of countries that have delivered over 10 million doses, there were only 10 countries that have won a better vaccination rate of their population than Canada, only 10 in the world. And there were only 10 countries that had, yeah, that had of people who had delivered 10 million doses, countries, okay? So we're talking about large scale countries. And it will shock you what the 10 countries are. And if you want to make any guesses, make them now. Because I'm going to read that list. In reverse order, essentially closest to Canada. So Canada is 11. Above Canada, Denmark, delivering 13.2 million. And 81.3% of its uh, population is fully vaccinated. Canada, for um, context, is 80.9% of its population is vaccinated. You've got Spain above Denmark, 104 million doses delivered. Cambodia with 34.1 million. Singapore with 13 million. South Korea, 118 million doses at 85.6% of its population fully vaccinated. China, the largest, 3 billion doses of the vaccine delivered. 87% of its population fully vaccinated. Cuba, 34.8 million, 87% of its population vaccinated. Chile, 47.8 million, 89.5% vaccinated. Portugal, the second, 22.6 million, 90.2% of its population vaccinated. And number one in the world, percentage wise, the UAE, 24 million. 95.4% of its population 
vaccinated. Ladies and gentlemen, what an interesting list of countries. I thought I would see some in, some other countries in there. I thought maybe Norway would make it, but it turned out it was just Denmark. Um, so it's further, further back. My point here is, at this juncture, there's over 10.5 billion doses of this vaccine delivered. We have 4.3 billion people who have received the vaccine in some shape or form. And... For this protest to have become a thing about freedom of and mature. I get everybody has freedom to choose whatever they want. Freedom to protest. Freedom to say their feelings. But man. Anyways. <laughs> let me not talk. Moving on. It's almost tax season. Ladies and gentlemen. As February comes to a close. Um, March has a deadline for RRSPs. And you will find a number of people wondering, as usual, typically, what are RSPs? I made this much contribution. What is what? And so I'm just going to quickly break down as much as I can for you in terms of taxes, how Canada does them, and also maybe some strategies around, for example, letting your money go further based on taxes. All right. So in general, when you're in a progressive country like Canada, taxes are generally high, generally. The way Canada does taxes, when you make income in any shape or form, Canada as a government will decide to come and collect its own piece. As many of you know, there are different levels of government and each level of government finds a way to get money out of you. Municipalities generally get money out of you through property taxes. Essentially, when you own property, and if you do not own property, whoever you pay rent to pays taxes on that piece of property and so that is how your municipality gets money out of you and out of your income more or less at a provincial level which is in canada above the municipalities typically when you make an income the province will take some money out of you and then they will use that money of course on your health insurance um, and any other service that your province provides so for example driver's licenses uh, Ontario police, things like that. That's kind of what your um, province will then do. And of course, at the federal level, the federal government will also take its own federal tax income from you. So that are the, those are the, that's essentially, in, as a nutshell, how taxes are collected, or at least where it goes in terms of um, the money being collected and how it collected from you. In Canada, it is generally progressive. So... At different levels of income, the tax rate starts to get higher. So you can imagine that as you make more money, they progressively take more on each level or each step of your income. So for example, if you were to make $50,000, they would tax you at a different bracket than, so for example, you make $50,000, they would tax you at one rate. If you were to then make $100,000, the $50,000 for the person who's making both 50 and 100 will be taxed at the same rate. The incremental 50 for the person who's making another 100 gets taxed at a different rate. So that essentially is a progressive tax rate. So if we use um, that sense of understanding how, for example, progressive taxes are collected and essentially each province is able to determine its own tax rate, that is why you can be in a scenario where one province is better tax-wise than another. 
the other side to this is also sales tax. Sales tax is another way a province can get money out of you. There is already the federal level of the sales tax, of course, but there's also the provincial level. And so that is in part why a place like Alberta has technically no sales tax on the province, but the federal sales tax of about 5% still holds. And of course, in Quebec, the tax rates are significantly different than in Ontario. So that essentially is the tax scheme at a base level. There's of course more complexity when you go into corporate, but I'm going to assume we're only talking about personal at this level. So because of this kind of information, there is what we would consider pre-tax and post-tax in terms of your income. So if you were to get a new job and they offer you whatever the number, 600K, 100K, 50,000, 65,000, 75,000, that is your pre-tax income. That of course will then be taxed at the federal deduction level and then of course the provincial tax deduction. And then of course there's these two other programs that are separate from that tax deduction. One of them called CPP Canada Pension Plan. Essentially when you get older, the, the country will then start paying you back some income. And then employment insurance, which is if you lose your job involuntarily, the government will then fund your income while you're looking for another. So that is the employment insurance part, that's the other side of your deduction. Now, as I already talked about, the provincial tax level can be different from province to province. And as I already touched on, pre-tax money is when you get your income and you say, I make $75,000 a year. Well, your post-tax income is now then after the province and the federal have taken their money. And of course, CPP and yeah, Of course, those are capped. CPP is capped at $3,100, $3,166 for accuracy, and EI is capped around 890 or somewhere thereabouts. So that's why towards the end of the year, CPP and EI stop being deducted because you've already gotten to the cap. Now, if you make a lot more money, maybe you might finish that, maybe in like two months, three months. You know, if you're making that kind of money, God bless you. Now, we already talked on, I just briefly talked about the pre-tax piece, which is essentially your 75K, let's assume for this rest of this example, and post-tax, after all the taxes that is deducted, you should be earning around 56,000 if you make 75K a year. Now this is assuming, of course, we're not doing any other deductions such as, you know, union fees or any other healthcare or benefits, things like that, okay? So we're just gonna make it simple for ourselves. If you were to start investing some of this money in general, okay? Technically, when that money makes some money, it is then considered income because again, you have created a tax event. So the government will look at you if you were to invest say $20,000, the government will say, oh gee, you made some more money and someone returned some income on it. So we are going to tax that income again. But the government says, you know what? There are probably, let's give you some incentive to invest. So we'll give you some tax vehicles that will allow you to one, reduce your taxes, or two, avoid taxes entirely. So say for example, and this is where the TFSA piece comes in, the TFSA is a tax shelter that allows you to invest any of your post-tax money. So again, in the example, 75K for pre-tax, 56K for post-tax. If you want to invest the entire 56K in your tax savings in stocks, bonds, within this tax shelter of your tax savings, keep in mind, in your tax savings, you can put anything you want in there. It does not have to be only a savings account. You can actually buy stocks in there. You can actually buy 
uh, investments in there, whatever you want to put in there, you are free to defund by Bitcoin in there. You actually can also do that. Of course, you just have to find a financial institution that would allow you to do that. But anyways, I digress. So say you have to put this 56,000 in there. Well, the government, whatever that 56,000 grows to, the government will just unlook it and pretend like they've never seen that money at all. It is now your business, whatever you decide to do within that tax-free savings. Keep in mind, for additional caveats, tax-free savings have a contribution room every year and it increases every year based on a specified amount. At any point, you may check CRA to understand what your contribution room is. If you, uh, if you invest more than your contribution room, there is a penalty. So that's why it's important that you know how much contribution room you have. But again, for simplicity of this podcast, we assume there is no limit at this time. Okay, Or maybe we make the limit $100,000 just for simplicity to make things straightforward. Now, if you were to then invest instead of this 56000 in your tax-free savings, instead within your RRSP, which is a registered retirement savings plan, again, a tax shelter where you can invest anything within this RRSP, the government will say, okay, uh, if you've invested, say, again, for simplicity, you invest $56,000 within this RRSP. The government would look at your salary of $75,000 and instead of taxing you uh, at the $75,000 rate, they would deduct the $56,000 you've invested in your RRSP, reduce your income of $75,000 by $56,000 and then pretend like you only made, what was that, $19,000? That's how they would pretend and they would only tax you on $19,000 because the 56 that you invested in your registered, your RRSP has reduced your taxable income to $19,000. Again, for simplicity of this example. And so with that, you would have activated more of your income because your, for example, federal tax savings, at the $75,000 level would be, and I'm using these exact numbers, $9,811. That would be your tax on 75K, okay? This is at the federal level. The provincial level, assuming you were in Ontario, would then be $5,007. Again, just to make it simple, federal level being 9811 If you were to invest that 56, meaning you earned, let's pretend again, that you earned 19,000, the government would then look at your income and say, oh, we made a huge mistake. We are so sorry. We ought to have taxed you only at the federal level, $419. And at the provincial level, Ontario would then say, oops, our bad. We should only have taxed you $202. And then even the CPP and EI would also then return a bunch of money back to you. And so, all of a sudden, you would get a nice, healthy tax refund of just about $14,000. And so, even though you have done absolutely nothing different, you have not introduced any new savings, you have not introduced any new changes to your habit, the government has now refunded you $14,000 of your 75K. And by default, you can activate more of your money. Remember, there's $56,000 in your RRSP in this example. You have now gotten again another $14,000 out of nowhere. And of course, it's not out of nowhere. It's just your taxes being refunded back to you. And so now, all of a sudden, you of your 75K, 
can actually use somewhere around, let's say 56 plus four, 60, 70, 70K of your actual salary. So you see how just by understanding taxes, and again, this is after taxes, you can use almost $70,000 of your income out of nowhere because you just moved the 56 into an RSP that dropped your taxable income dramatically where you only then got taxed just about $1,000 ballpark after CPB and AI, of course, this is included. But at the federal tax level, you only got taxed 621 combining the federal and provincial taxes. And so ladies and gentlemen, again, to simplify this ta- this conversation around taxes and part of why, and maybe I'll get to this in the next um, segment here. If all you did was invest in your RSP in one year, in this particular year, of course, everything you made, say you lived at home, you didn't need your actual money, you made 75K, you invested your ent- the entirety of your salary into your RSP, you would get a healthy refund of $14,000 without doing anything different, okay? You didn't cut back on coffee. You didn't cut back on chewing gum. You didn't cut back on traveling. You didn't cut back on anything, but all of a sudden you have $14,000. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the power of understanding your taxes, tax shelters, tax deferral. As simply put as I could. Now, of course, are you ever going to have $56,000 to invest? No, not particularly. But you see, there's this thing where, and this is now where we start to get a little more complicated, and I'm hopefully making this as simple as possible when I'm using lots of math. Your employer typically will match your RRSB contribution, typically. If you do not take that match, guess what? That money is gone and you cannot get it back from your employer. Only maybe the next year you can contribute, but that match is gone. Typically in Canada, when you work at a bunch of established companies, not startups, more established companies, maybe companies that have been um, existing for a couple of years and have more than 100 employees, typically there will be some kind of RRSP match. So again, back to the example of 75K, if all you can muster is $5,000 and your employer were to match that $5,000, then all of a sudden, you would then have $10,000 in your RRSP that you could then use to reduce your taxable income and again, get you some kind of tax relief. If you were to then turn around and invest that tax relief from your RRSP in your tax savings, then if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, you are able to do more with the same amount of money that you have earned. And that, ladies and gentlemen, as simply as I can put it, is how a number of people are able to go much further in the Canadian environment with the same amount of income as you. Simply understanding the tax system uh, and tax advantaged vehicles, simply put. The other side to this is also understanding pre-tax expenses and post-tax expenses. In the event that you were to run a business or you were to be a contractor, okay, you could move a bunch of expenses 
instead of spending them after taxes, which is essentially after your income, if you were to spend or make some expenses before you got taxed, the same concept would apply. For example, if you were a realtor and you were to purchase a car, you could find a way to make your car depreciates because that's an expense against your car, a taxable event that would help you reduce your taxes because in the process of chasing this income, the expense on your car is incurred. And so it is actually your duty to report this expense towards your income. And when you do this, it would then, of course, provide a healthy return. The best part of this is when governments want to incentivize you to do things, they will typically use taxes to help you do whatever they're incentivizing you to do. So for example, the Canadian government is trying to incentivize people to buy electric cars. And so typically you can depreciate your car at a regular rate. And again, keep in mind, you can always ask your tax person for advice on how to do this specific to you. If you're a realtor, again, back to this previous example, and you were to buy a Tesla, for example, you could depreciate your car much faster, essentially recouping more of your taxes to help you pay for the car. And by default, that would then be what? Subsidizing the car's cost. Because, again, back to the first example, if you're making 75K, but you could use more of your taxes to pay for that car then the car is technically cheaper to you because you're using the pre-tax dollars to pay for the car and your after-tax dollars can now go spending on other things you would want to do. And so that is essentially a small, simple secret of making your money go further and go longer, just simply understanding taxes. I hope with just this little tidbit, you understand that taxes are not very difficult at all. I know I've put some numbers in there, but if you just pause for a second to understand the basic concept, that it is your duty to understand your income situation, your tax situation, and how best to utilize your pre-tax dollars to your advantage, either in investing or in maybe even moving your business further or as a contractor, doing your best to ensure that you are providing the best service possible and also understanding what the government is incentivizing yourself to do, you can make your money go longer. I'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace.